It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. Tuesday edition of our show. Nice looking day as we uh, get into some UK sports conversation with you. Daryl Bird from the Cats Paws will be first up. Their new Kentucky football yearbook is out. They have Kentucky pegged second in the East. Larry Vaught from vaughtsviews.com. And then we'll finish up with Brooke Pryor. She's an NFL Nation correspondent for ESPN.com covering the Steelers, and we'll talk about Benning Snell and Bud Dupree. So that's our guest lineup, Wildcat News of the Day. We'll get right to it with uh, some good news if you are involved in high school sports because high school sports has the green light. Governor said yesterday that while he is not happy with the decision made by the Board of Control for the Kentucky High School Athletic Association to move forward with uh, what they call high-contact sports like football, uh, he is not going to uh, exercise his authority to stop them. And so high school football, uh, cross-country, volleyball, soccer, etc., get the chance to move forward. The uh, two largest school districts in Jefferson County and Fayette County have also uh, voted for plans to move forward. I think Jefferson County is going to postpone or push back the start for a week. So we'll get into a little bit of this with uh, Larry when Larry joins us because he is uh, very close to the high school scene over in Danville. Dwayne Peavy, we talked a little bit about this on uh, Friday when it looked like the decision was imminent, but now we can officially say congrats to Dwayne. He's being introduced as the new athletics director at DePaul today. Uh, great hire for DePaul. Um, Dwayne's one of those guys that you knew um, he would be leaving at some point in the not-too-distant future. Very good at his job, and he had interviewed uh, for a couple of other positions. I think finished second in one of them. So you knew it was it was going to happen. Somebody would be smart enough to hire him, and so it is DePaul. And uh, Mitch Barnhart, co- they talk about coaches having a coaching tree. Uh, Mitch's uh, track record for guys that have worked for him uh, it's been very strong, and Dwayne Peavy, I'm sure, will only add to that. So uh, congrats to uh, Dwayne, who will be leading athletics at DePaul up in Chicago. And he filled so many important roles for Kentucky basketball, one of them scheduling. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about this with uh, Mike Pratt tomorrow, but uh, Dwayne was the, the guy on the basketball side that uh, would uh, find the way to, to get the uh, schedules put together. And if, if you're a fan that says, well, you know, you wanted more – better games in November or whatever. It's, it is a real challenge to put together schedules more so than ever because if you've got to have a certain number of home games for budgetary reasons, uh, you, um, your coach maybe doesn't want to do a lot of home and homes. Um, so a lot of just different things that you've got to um, balance to be able to get a schedule put together uh, and meet a, budget and Dwayne was very good at it 
report from uh, Pete Thamel of SI.com that Jai Lucas is finalizing the deal to join the U.K. basketball staff. Uh, hopefully that's true. Uh, uh, like a, a few more sources than just that one. But uh, Jai Lucas um, would be a great pickup for Cal and his basketball staff. And the AP preseason college football top 25 came out yesterday. It did include Big Ten and Pac-12 teams, but I saw – uh, the person who works on that for the AP say that, that once the season starts, they won't be ranking the Big Ten and Pac-12 teams. And if that's the case, then I understand doing it for the preseason poll just to uh, give fans a chance of uh, where those teams would have fit into the mix. Kentucky was ninth on the list of teams also receiving votes, effectively making the Cats 34th in the country. And Smero tweeted out, quote, this is a joke. And the good thing about sports is they get to go out and start proving that beginning at the end of September. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Daryl Bird from the Cat's Paws will lead us off when we come right back. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at TalkRadio1080.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back into our show. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Daryl Bird from CatsPaws.com. And the new Cat's Paws Kentucky Football Yearbook is finally out. I think the last time we talked, Daryl, that was on hold, right? So it was good to get that off your plate, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't. Oh, you can't imagine. It's, <laughs> having it, putting all the work that we put into it, and having it sitting at the printer with your fingers crossed that someone didn't do something really stupid like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 and just cancel way too early. Give, give me a green light and, uh, and I'll run with it. And that's, that's exactly what we did. And I know one of the things I've uh, seen about it so far is that you guys had Kentucky pick second in the SEC East yep. to Georgia, I assume. I haven't seen that book yeah. yet. Yeah, my, my theory on that is Georgia's the king until Kentucky proves otherwise, and anybody else for that matter. And they just they haven't taken down Georgia since Georgia has been back where they should be with Kirby Smart. And until they do that, you're not going to move them above that. But we just thought long and hard about it, and this Kentucky team is is really good. And it was it was really killing me that there was a chance. I guess there's still a chance that they wouldn't get on the field to show that. And I know that. You know, the bandwagon is on Florida. Well, here comes Florida because Dan Mullen and it's year three and whatever. But Kentucky's played Florida really, really well. Won down there last time, should have won the last couple of times in in Lexington. And I just don't think Stoops and crew are afraid of that group. And and I think they're good enough to take them out. You take them out, you've got a shot to finish second. This is a, a Kentucky team that uh, doesn't have many holes. I mean, the uh, situation with Chris Oates left him a, a little thin at inside linebacker. Um, and, you know, you have questions about maybe who's going to step up at receiver. How much will Terry Wilson, you know, how much rust will there be? You know, right. How far can he elevate his game? That's about it, really. And, and kicker, I guess, place kicking. Yeah, place kicking. Yeah, when we were, I was working on the yearbook, and I decided – and we do a, a section on every position, and as I was listing the returners, and I thought, I'm just going to put down the number of career starts next to their name. Terry Wilson, 
13. A.J. Rose, 13. Uh, Josh Ali, 13 at wide receiver. Justin Rigg, 14 at tight end. And you get to the O line, you got Drake Drake Jackson with 33, Landon Young 22, Bohanna 25 on the defensive line. I mean, there's there's not a hole. I mean, Boogie Watson has 18 starts. Coker Corker has 13. Cedric Dort has 12. And then you've got Max Duffy, the best punter in in the in the nation. And people always underestimate how important it is to have someone who can keep the field flipped in your favor. And, and that's there. And you just go down and listen. It's like, oh, my goodness, these guys are loaded with experience, really good players. And how many years, Tom, have, have we talked about if Kentucky could ever get its football program to the point that they, they didn't just have depth, they have quality depth lined up behind the group that's taking care of business, and, and they're finally there. I mean, we're, we're seven years in. And the other thing that they have that uh, I think we've all talked about for a long time is, uh, and you saw this in, in Coach Brooks's tenure, he um, took the program to a, a much higher level coming yeah. out of a rough time. But they never could get an, enough of that depth, maybe, was, no. was it, to have the offense and the defense both um, trending upward at the same time that uh, the offense might be strong but the the defense was uh, you know had to uh, you had to ha- the offense had to carry the defense yeah. Yeah, then exactly. it would flip the other way the defense had to carry the offense and you look at this Kentucky team and there's every reason to think that they in you had in special teams especially if you get a little consistency from the place kicking um they should be um you know with an arrow moving up for all three uh, areas of the team yeah, and I thought it kind of went unnoticed last year because of all the craziness that went on at quarterback. But I can remember having a, this very similar conversation with Coach Stoops last summer, and even he admitted, "Is like, okay, with all that you lost off the Citrus Bowl, you, you've got Terry Wilson, you've got running backs, you've got a good O-line. Let's admit it, the O-line is going to have to carry the day until this really young defense can get its you – know, cut kind of get his feet wet and figure out what it's doing. And, and we're like, yeah, sure, that makes sense. The offense will have to carry the day. Well, guess what? They didn't. They got hurt the second game, and that defense just, like, never missed a beat, picked up better than where they were the year before. And it's like, wow, what did we just witness with a young defensive unit that, that didn't take the beating that previous teams have taken through all these years Kentucky football? They, The young guys, the young quality depth that we didn't know we thought it was good. We found out really quick it was good. As you did interviews for the yearbook or listened to ones that uh, other members of your staff did, anything that uh, struck you that was noteworthy, different, et cetera, from past years when you were on this project? Um, not huge and maybe just overall confidence. They're not cocky by any stretch of the imagination, but... They know it's a good group that's been around each other for several years now <clears throat> and very determined to let's go show everybody what we can do. And at the front of that, and funny enough, is, is Vince Merrill, who's, you know, he's taking pop shots at the AP poll for crying out loud. So it's, that's where some of it comes from. This is a very confident staff. Very, I mean, they're no nonsense, but... They're what about to build something uh, good, and, and they're not going to take and anything different from anybody else. 
What about uh, players that you think are ready to significantly elevate their games this season? I want to see what the wide receivers can do, first of all, only because I know you take one for the team, but I can't imagine how frustrated they are of, of sitting and having to, you know, let's go block every play because we're not going to be able to throw the ball this year and see how they can do that. Um, names that jump out, the, the kid, you know, I remember Zadarius Smith, I was like, wow, UK has the guy that you you let get off the bus first. Remember how, how big he was? Oh. I'm really curious to see what Keaton Upshaw does at tight end. He's, you know, he's at the point now where if they can throw the ball, he, he can do so much both ways. Uh, running back is, I mean, there's not a question there how good they're going to be. Um, that's you know, there's not not a whole lot of surprises. That's it's, they're so solid and so experienced across the line that um, not expecting anybody or need to see somebody make a huge step up that you're not expecting because they're in such good shape at most positions. This is going into the the wayback machine, but uh, I think that team and and, and I think this has been. Uh, backed up from talking to these guys over the years, like Derek Ramsey, those late seventies teams, where you know if Kentucky's as good as as we all think they uh, they are, then that's the the kind of uh, group you get to compare them with. And um, that was uh, a team that you listen to those guys talk. You know, everybody wants you know the uh, people to say good things about you or to rank you in the polls or in the yeah. division, etc. But they didn't need it; they knew they were good. And they went out and, and proved that. And uh, it kind of feels like this group has that same, and you, it sounds like you're saying that too, that same level of swagger. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a very good comparison. And we've got to wait, you know, hopefully 10 games to see if they live up to what 78 did. But, yeah, you're right. That's, it's kind of dead on that I think Stoops loves the, the disrespect because he can play it up in his locker room. But they're like, yeah, whatever. We know, we've been here forever. We know what we're doing. We'll, we'll go show you. Yeah, I mean they've got so much uh, experience that uh, there is a you know a, a confidence that I think just comes with that where you uh, yeah. you don't have any doubt about you know where to be or uh, right. you if something's a little yeah, off you quickly yeah, recognize it or adjust to it. That's why I elevated them up to second in the East because for one, if any staff can handle insanity, it's this group with what they had to do last year and previous years getting quarterbacks hurt, but. Spring practice got cut short, so there's no you don't have time to put in your system. Well, it was already in. You know, players had to leave campus, so you know who knows what they're going to do. Are they going to take care of themselves? Yeah, this is a mature, experienced group. They're not going to let that slide by any stretch. They'll take care of business no matter where they are. And then the staff that can proven they can roll with any punch you want to throw them. And and this is the punch of all of all punches right now with what everybody's going through and having to deal with all the uncertainty. It uh, is a group that is going to be a lot of fun to uh, watch, hopefully starting yeah. on uh, September 26th. And to do it through 10 SEC games, I mean, that's quite a gauntlet. But if that it is. was going to happen, they uh, have the, the depth that it would take to survive that. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's, that's going to be interesting to see and you think wow that's a lot for uk to handle and it's true but it's a lot for florida to handle and no miss and everybody else down the line no one's ever tried this and let's go see how it works and and you better have a deep team you better have 
an experienced group because it's going to get pretty hairy at times trying to go through you know there's no directional schools out there and every single week you better strap it up and that that's going to wear even after just 10 instead of 12 that's going to 10 SEC games I think is going to be a harder run than a normal 12 game schedule that we're used to I don't think it's going to be close so where can folks find the Cat's Paws Kentucky Football Yearbook? Actually, starting to hit stores, a few of the speedways around Lexington, uh, all the five-star, the Barnes & Noble types, it's heading that direction, be in Walmart and Kroger probably next week. It takes a little longer to get that out there. Or they can just cut through the chase and go to catspawsyearbook.com and order, and we will ship them out today. There you go. Daryl Bird, thank you much. All right, thank you. Larry Vaught in the on-deck circle, about 26 past the top of the hour on this Tuesday edition of the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. 28 past the top of the hour. Larry Vaughn joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Was there a big cheer over Danville, Boyle County Way about high school sports uh, yesterday? I think a lot of people are are, are happy, Tom. had been hoping this was what was going to be be allowed, and I think the the governor made his personal feelings clear but also decided to let let it be and and see what happens. So, now we'll see, but yeah, there's a lot of athletes, coaches, and and parents happy over this way. I assume the decision on attendance for those families will be district by district, right? I don't really know. It's that's what Julian Tackett had always indicated it would be, and as far as I know, I've not seen any districts yet announce what what they are going to do. I know a lot of them. Are, are working on the cashless ticket policy where a lot of tickets, I think, are going to be sold in advance. But I've not seen anywhere that's actually announced how many fans are going to be allowed or how many people will be in press boxes or allowed on sidelines or anything like that. So I guess that's still to come. And if they if they can make a little bit of money at the gate, things just like you know paying officials, et cetera, there are expenses that go in with the sports. There are. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, – live streaming whether that'll be a pay for stream or just a Mm -hmm. live stream so that fans that can't come to games can watch but i think there's going to be a lot of live streaming of football games across the state this year larry vaught with us from vaughtsviews.com coming up on the bottom of the hour break we'll continue with larry just a moment here on the leach report radio network This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can follow Tom on Twitter. It's at Tom Leach KY. Second half of our Tuesday show, back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And Larry Vaught from Vaughtsviews.com. Uh, Dwayne Peavy being announced today as the new AD at DePaul. And a significant loss for UK athletics in terms of all the the roles that he filled. Uh, just a, it's a significant loss just because he's a great guy, but uh, he uh, was a very valuable member of that staff. I, I absolutely did a lot of behind-the-scenes thing. Uh, John Calipari obviously trusted him a, a lot, and Dwayne did a lot 
for, for him there. But but, but Dwayne just kind of got it. And I mean, to, to me, the perfect example of that time is that he did a, uh, a fairly long interview, a Q&A type thing with the Chicago Tribune yesterday, even though he's not going to be officially announced today because Dwayne knows, hey, get that publicity and get whatever you can. And he just understands that, that aspect of it. I don't know a whole lot about how he, how he does as far as running an athletic department, but I know he gets the gist of, of being able to get along with people. And I think that's a big, big part of what will make him so successful. And it, it, it is a big loss for Kentucky, a huge gain for Paul and, and really happy for Dwayne and didn't surprise me to see that he really researched it and, and thought it out and I don't think this will be the last move we'll see Dwayne making because I think he'll just keep moving right on up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's a guy that has um a particularly um great combination of skills because he worked in the media relations role so he has a, a great feel for uh that part of it which uh i've always said that uh you know every every coach should uh pay a lot more attention to that because the ones who are really good at it uh it serves them very well so uh, he gets that he came from the conference office so uh he you know has had experience in that part of the the, the the world of college athletics, you know, from the conference office. Now you know, he's had uh, ten plus years here in a in a high level athletics department, doing a lot of different tasks. And as I was saying up at the top, one place where he's really going to be missed is uh, he was the guy that handled scheduling for basketball. Yeah, I think he also handled panic attacks for John Calipari. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something probably we can't. Well, you're around a little bit more. You, you may understand better than what I do, but I think he did a really good job of uh, of, of when Cal maybe had a little anxiety or something. That Dwayne was usually the guy that would kind of help work through that from from either side that he needed to work through it with. And I, it's just hard to replace that trust and friendship when you have in somebody. And now for John to lose Kenny Payne and, and Dwayne Peavy, both. And, and again, it's not that they're not. Yeah, that they're irreplaceable, but it just takes a long time to build the trust back up that you have in somebody like that. And I think bringing in Bruiser, that's a longtime friend of John's, and that's what he's doing on that side. But on the administrative side, I, I just don't know. It's going to be an interesting year. Uh, you you mentioned Kenny and Kenny Payne. You uh, reached out to some uh, parents of uh, Kentucky players, for, former players, to talk about uh, what the you know the impact of of Kenny on the program here. Yeah, both Paul Washington and, and, and Kevin Knox both really talked a, a lot about what impact uh, Kenny had on their son and the role that he played with parents. So he was the guy that could talk to parents or if parents had questions that they could kind of talk to him about it and he would help with that, not just in recruiting, but after you got on campus that he was kind of the, the voice that kept parents and forward of what was going on and what was happening and all I had, how much they both thought he would be missed from, from that point of view. But they both also thought what a great success he's going to be in the NBA. And, and they each told me something I, I just didn't realize about how much even before he took this job with the Knicks, how every year NBA people were calling Kenny to ask about players and recommendations and, and things uh, as well as, as John. So they both are, are delighted that Kenny's got a chance to be in the NBA, but both really think he's going to be missed at Kentucky. 
Chat with Larry Vaught, uh, vaughtsuse.com. You can read that story uh, there at the site. Also, uh, so a couple stories about the latest addition to the basketball family, and it's the point guard, uh, Nolan Hickman. And you talked yeah, to his uh, former coach. I, I did. I've really been impressed with what I've heard. I had a chance to talk to his dad uh, yesterday as well, and actually hope to have Nolan on our Sunday morning show this week with us. But what I, you just, the more you talk, the more terrific things you hear about him on the court, but also off the court that he's started a foundation last year and, and to help underprivileged kids in the Seattle area be able to do things. Had a, started a basketball camp, a free camp this year, had it again, but it did it virtually and had uh, participants from four different countries join him on his thing. But he, he's such a good player. They talk about the pace of play. And what really impressed me, Tom, was he's changing schools. He's going from there in Seattle. He's going to uh, a prep school in Utah. And his coach that's known him since the fourth grade and is losing him in Seattle just raved about him and talked about how he did Nolan had to do what was best for him to try to prepare himself for college and hopefully the NBA and just how much he loved the young man and all like that. And, and sometimes coaches are like that and they lose a player. Sometimes they're not. But it really, really impressed me listening to the coach talk about him. And I think he's one of those guys that if we'd had summer AAU basketball, he'd be ranked a whole lot higher than what he is right now. So uh, I think when you see a point guard that John Calipari believes in, there's no real need to pay any attention to the rankings because Cal's record with point guards is, is pretty decent. Yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot of doubts about Cal and, and his staff when it comes to recruiting. I was going to chuckle when people panic a little bit uh, because this is one that they, you know, it, it, the announcement came shortly after the announcement of Banchero committing to Duke, but this is one that they've kind of kept under wraps for a while because um, for, for Cal and his staff, they don't leak much out. No, and, and neither did uh, Nolan. In fact, I asked his dad, he said it's just kind of the way his son is, that he didn't want to say anything uh, about it, that he actually was going to announce his commitment during his camp is what he had thought about, but then was going to be virtual. He decided that really wasn't going to be able to be done. But Nolan just didn't talk about it a whole lot, and his former high school coach and his current coach of this next year both said that they kind of knew he had a Kentucky offer, but he never really mentioned it much to them or anything either. He just kind of kept it to himself and decided, okay, I'm just going to announce and I'll just go ahead and do it. And it's not often that you can have a, a Kentucky offer and a Kentucky commit that not anybody really sees coming, but he did a really good job of that, and it's kind of fun to see. But but don't think he, he's a really outgoing young man. You're really going to enjoy when you have a chance to talk to him or be around him. I think he's going to be somebody you're really going to like, Tom. One other story at Vaught's Views I'll ask you about, and it's uh, the Boyle County football program and uh, the cause of uh, epilepsy, and I'll let you take it from there. Oh, yeah, that's, that's really a, a good – every year their senior class ra- raises money for a, a particular charitable cause, and this year they picked the Epilepsy Foundation of Kentuckyana because one of the senior players, Jacob Heist, uh, had a, his first seizure when he was in the sixth – Grade, and they decided to do to do this uh, in, in honor of him, which is really a neat thing to do. And then our friend Dick Vital found out uh, about it and called and made a uh, sizable do- donation to the to the fund. And it's re- really been a, 
a successful fundraiser this year, and Jacob's got a terrific story to tell. There's been people from all across the country that have reached out because they've had children that are in the same situation, had to miss football or worried if they're going to miss football. And Jacob's kind of become an inspiration to a lot of those young men across the country. So it's really been neat to see a group of high school seniors do something like this and to have the impact it already has had on so many different uh, people. And he's just really a a, a good young man, and it's it's nice to see him getting a little chance to kind of tell his story. Vaughtsviews.com. You can uh, read that story and the others we talked about from Larry Vaught. Thank you, sir. All right, Tom. Larry Vaught joins us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. They're more than just CBD. Hemp root salve, hemp seed oil, hemp-infused body lotion, all those products and more from a certified Kentucky-proud family-run farm, Christian County, Kentucky. Three generations of the same family producing locally grown and locally processed hemp products. Find out all about it at KentuckyHempWorks.com. And you can also purchase a face mask to show your support for Kentucky's hemp industry. It includes a phone number at which you can call your legislators to lobby for pro-hemp legislation. We'll be right back with Brooke Pryor talking about Benny Snell, Bud Dupree, and the Steelers on the Leach Report. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. 13 away at the top of the hour. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And we bring on Brooke Pryor from ESPN.com and the NFL Nation covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that means covering Benny Snell and Bud Dupree. And, uh, Brooke, thank you for joining us. I uh, see where Benny is uh, trimming down this year. They, they list him at 224, but he tells you guys he's down to, what, 212 now? Yeah, that's right, 212. I mean, and you can see it, too. It's not just, you know, in his body. You can see it in his face when we were just talking to him in a Zoom call last week and you can see it on the field he's he's quicker he's got a better burst his lateral movements are smoother um i mean this is the type of body transformation the Steelers like to see and their guys specifically their running backs from year one to year two and he really took that charge and ran with it yeah this he's not the first Steeler running back to uh go down this road as uh is pointed out in a story here i'm looking at and uh they are uh, thinking about him as the the backup to Connor this year, right? Yeah, and you know they they want James Connor to be the workhorse back. He, you know, there aren't a lot of teams that still do the featured running back without having some kind of support behind it. But that's the way the Steelers like to operate. Um, but James Connor has durability concerns. You know, he hasn't played a full sixteen game season in any year he's been in the NFL, which means that. Benny Snell could have a pretty good opportunity to play some more um, to keep to to be on to be beyond just a backup, and that happened for him last year. Um, I think looking at the rest of the running back room, he is kind of the obvious guy that would that could step in and be a featured type back. Uh, when you have guys like Jalen Samuels and Anthony McFarland also in there, they're kind of you know just to come in for some special plays. Um, but Benny Snell, you know, I think that he has the type of running he's um i think a bruiser in this in a similar way that james connor is but he's really shown like i said this burst we've seen him uh he had a fake jet sweep uh took a handoff and ran up the middle 20 yards for a touchdown in practice yesterday and he's done things like that just about every day had 108 carries last year which is the most by a Steeler rookie uh since 2013 and 
so did some good things. Uh, so what are the things, in addition to dropping a few pounds, that the Steelers wanted him to focus on for year two? You know, I think that they like, obviously, everything they did in year one. But to, when he dropped a few pounds, then with that comes the increased lateral quickness, the speed. Um, just taking care of his body, I think, is going to lead to more production. And it's not necessarily what Benny Snell individually has to do better. It's what the offense as a whole needed to do better and what they needed to make the running game better. And a big part of that was getting Ben Roethlisberger back uh, because last year they were pretty one-dimensional. Nobody respected the throwing threat of Mason Rudolph and Deck Hodges, and that really clogged up the run game. So by getting Ben back there, it's going to open up the field a little bit more. It's going to give these guys a chance to, to run the ball um, and not be, you know, tackled immediately because teams are not expecting the Steelers to throw. So I, I think that just having all of the pieces to the offense back are really going to help him out. How has Big Ben looked? He's looked really good. You know, he was really accurate the last time we saw him throw. Uh, he had a vet day off yesterday, but he practiced Saturday night, uh, looked really good the day before, really accurate. I mean, hit all his passes in a team drill. And this elbow injury that he had the, the season-ending surgery for last year, it was a thing that had been nagging him for years, upwards of 10 years. He kind of felt that pain in his elbow, and last year was the year that it just it, the flexor tendons finally detached, and he had to have that surgery. So, I mean, you have to wonder how much better can he be now that he's going to be playing pain-free for the first time in a long time. And the last time we saw him play, a full season, he had over 5,000 passing yards. So, you know, I, I think that he looks really, really good, and this offense has to feel great about that. You guys that uh, cover the Steelers got a uh, up-close view of uh, Benny's personality, that big smile and just, uh, you know, he is a very confident young man. Uh, what are you seeing now as he heads into his second season? Yeah, I mean, he's still that same guy it's, it's hard to get rookies sometimes to open up in the locker room when you first start talking to them because, A, they know kind of the food chain of the locker room. You don't want to be the rookie that's the one that's attracting all the media attention. Uh, but he's always very polite, very friendly. And he is, you can just tell, more confident in talking with him last week, uh, gave longer answers, gave some more insight, was really thoughtful about how he answered questions. Um, and I really appreciated that because, you know, it's hard to connect with these guys, especially over Zoom. But he was really thoughtful in just the way he talked about why he needed to change his body and, and what the Steelers were looking for out of him. Um, I think he fits in really well with this locker room. And, and he's a guy that I think fans are really going to continue to, to love watching him grow. Uh, Bud Dupree, we should touch on him. Uh, what, how's the table set for Bud this year? Yeah, you know, having Bud back is huge for the Steelers because they have T.J. Watt, he's the cornerstone of this defense, but pairing him with Bud, they really got the best out of each other last year, and they're primed to do the same thing again this year, and watching Bud play has just been so fun during this training camp period because he's been going up against tight end Eric Ebron quite a bit. Ebron's a guy that likes to talk a lot. Bud's a guy that's uh, very emotional, very electric when they're going up against each other, and there was uh, a drill that they were doing, linebackers covering tight ends, and Ebron outran him and caught the pass. It's not something that, that a lot of guys can do on Bud, and you can tell that he was frustrated, and he kind of ran to the back of the end zone, picked up the first down marker that was laying back there, and hit it like a baseball bat against the back of the end zone. And you know, Kind of a sarcastic frustration, display of frustration, but 
I mean, this defense is so electric and they're so just in your face, chirping all the time. Bud is one of those guys. He's really fun to, to be around. And the tandem of him and TJ on the field is going to be huge. The energy he brings, especially when you consider that stadiums are not going to be anywhere close to full. They may be completely empty. Bud was a guy during a drill that was gesturing to the empty stands, kind of joking around, trying to you know make everybody get loud during a drill. And the defense on the sideline responded by you know singing Seven Nation Army and jumping around and everything. So I, I think that he is just a crucial part of this defense. It's at B.E. Pryor, P-R-Y-O-R, on Twitter. And where can folks find your work on the web? Uh, it is on ESPN.com under the NFL Nation tab. Brooke, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. That's Brooke Pryor from uh, the NFL Nation team at ESPN.com. And sounds like uh, good times coming for uh, Bud and Benny. Leach Report, Radio Network for Tuesday. We'll wrap it up in just a moment. Congrats to Corey Lannery. He has picked up a derby ride on long shot Searle's Spite. Uh, Last time Corey had a late pickup, it was, I think, looking at Lee a few years ago, and he ran second flying up the rail, as he typically does. Uh, and Wayne Lucas, good to see that he has recovered from coronavirus and saw a picture of who's back on his pony at the track yesterday at Churchill. Our Derby updates this summer presented by Claiborne Farm, doing the usual unusually well. Go to ClaibornFarm.com and you can book a tour to see the farm. Uh, happy birthday to former Wildcat Richie Farmer. Celebrating a birthday today. Uh, Chris Felica, who we've had on the show before, the bear from College Game Day, saw an interesting tweet from him, and you could think about this from a Kentucky football fan perspective. He says, in 26 of the last 27 years, the exception being 2011, at least one team that was not ranked in the AP preseason top 25 finished in the top 10. It was Minnesota last year. They had only seven points in the preseason top 25 and finished 10th in the country. So uh, the Kentucky football players and coaches think they could be that kind of team this season. So we'll see. But uh, from the Bear, the uh, precedent is there for at least one team to make that kind of run each year in college football. That's going to do it for us for today. We'll chat with Mike Pratt tomorrow. Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, Chris Fisher from the Cat Spaws. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time right here on The Leach Report.